Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grissoff and this is RFI Group's Insight Backed Podcast, focused on key trends, thought leadership and best practice within the fast-growing and dynamic world of digital banking. With the growing shift towards digital for banks and financial services organizations, and with regulation around data privacy and security continuing to be a focus globally, it is now more important than ever for institutions to assess and tighten their approach to cybersecurity. This week, we sat down with Francis Catano, cybersecurity lead architect at Fusion Networks, who shares the key risk areas that financial institutions are facing at the moment, the most common types of attacks and how to avoid them, and the role that regulation plays in the global environment. Chloe James here for the Global Digital Banker podcast. Really happy to be speaking with Francis Catano, who is a cybersecurity practice and architect lead and generally a cybersecurity expert. I thought we should just kick off with the current state of cybersecurity when it comes to banking and fin services, and perhaps in that outlining some of the key risk areas that banks might be facing around the world at this time. Yeah, it's um, interesting times within the financial services, banking and fintech at this point in time. There's a lot that's happening in terms of digital technologies. Change is happening at a pace. And with such change, it brings opportunity and diversity of threats. So what we're seeing is if you look at the most recent fintech report by KPMG, there's a lot of investment happening, multi-billion, a lot of new players are coming in, and that's bringing a lot of new risks. One being what I call the asymmetrical risks. We have the traditional big financial services players, then we have the newer, smaller players that are coming in through fintechs, developing new applications. So the integration of the two will bring asymmetrical differences. Some will be able to build security, but others will just move faster and then weaken the chain and the link. That's one of the biggest issues there. The second one is uh, machine learning. It's playing quite a lot of forte within the banking service, but it comes with its complexity. If banks and the financial services get it wrong and introduce vulnerabilities or risks that could be exploited down the chain, it will end up just being a game changer. Finally, I think there is this big financial inclusion that's happening. People who never used to have access to banking are getting access to banking through the rise of mobile apps, open banking, and the integration of APIs. That's pretty much important. That's what everybody's been fighting for over the years. But what's going to happen is most of these people, take for example, on our side here in the Australasian, we have the Pacific Islands. We're reaching those that never been reached, but they are not privy with the risks of cybersecurity. So they'll start to be targeted by phishing attacks, scams, fraud. So it will continuously increase in that nature. Absolutely. I think that's such an interesting issue to raise if we think about the unbanked and people entering into the banking environment who have never been in the banking environment before. It comes down then to education, doesn't it? As you say, people, I guess, more likely to suffer or be a victim of a cyber attack because they're perhaps not so sure as to what to look for and commonalities amongst cyber attacks. Onto that then, what are the most common types of cyber attacks? You've just mentioned phishing then. I think that's a good one. There's also whaling attacks that we hear uh, happening more and more where an executive level person is targeted that, you know, you'll receive an email from your CEO or CFO asking for information. And it's typically someone that you would be very willing to give that information to, although it's not them. Yeah. So that's, that's playing a bigger part. Um, and they're the proponents of account takeovers. They're becoming more prevalent in the sector. 
something looks as if it's legit coming from a senior level and maybe asks for transfer of funds and then suddenly resulting in account takeover. So one of the biggest attacks starting to play um, in the market are the account takeovers. They are starting to affect many banks. Suddenly they're losing money. Then the other ones that are coming into play, we talked about the unbanked, there's the mobile apps and banking on online paying services. So there's more people are getting to do their online banking on phones, hijack and take over of their mobile phones to steal credentials is starting to become more critical and incremental issue for most of the banks. Then there's the cryptocurrency attacks that are also increasing. Banks are harnessing blockchain for good purposes. However, they're not yet mature. So if they don't build their security quite well, we're starting to see a lot of interjection of vulnerabilities that could be exploited down the line. Then finally, the big type that I'm also seeing is around the demand for quick settlements cross-border. How will banks then do in-line and quick assessment of the risks against anti-money laundering? So that's where banks also need to make sure that they bridge the gap as soon as they do that. And also then, how do they trust the APIs that are proliferating due to open banking? So banks, New Zealand in the US and across the world, are starting to open up and share all these APIs. How do you authorize them? And how then do you identify them that they're performing the right services? And if some of the partners that are within the chain of the open banking are not implementing protection around volumetric attacks, like how then do you block them and how then do you prevent them to make sure that all the services are not cut off? So these are starting to increase the mobile risks and threats, the application and API interfaces, then all the integration of quick payments, they are starting to become a bigger point of attacks increasing in the banking and financial services sector. That people and banks and all businesses want everything to be faster and everything to get faster and faster and so much more efficient. And then that's overlying with the security issue. So it's really trying to match up both of those points. And that's a tough, tough ask for anyone. You work all around the world, Francis. I'm just interested to hear your view about the differences between, and you've mentioned some different geographies there and regional versus global. How are they dealing with cybersecurity differently? I know that obviously they are advised by someone such as yourself or other businesses. How do the regional banks and global banks differ? And I guess which areas are they really focusing on when it comes to cybersecurity and I guess putting their priorities? I think firstly, the regional and the bigger global banks, they're starting to play well together. Usually they used to work in isolation and each bank would do its own thing, but now there's openness. And at the same time, they're starting to work together because they've identified cybersecurity as a key threat to innovation. And the bigger banks are also starting to invest in smarter technologies for security. Some of them are a lot of automation, orchestration, slash artificial intelligence. This is to combat the shortage of skills. Twisting it on the other side, the smaller banks they are being consumed in the demands of change and the pace of innovation. So somewhat they're either running through the digital transformation and just recklessly putting some runs on the ground but forgetting security and hence they're exposing chain together. This doesn't mean that they're not doing security correctly but they're facing shortage of skills and then the demand for regulation and open banking, and they want to be part of that and to remain relevant. So managing those and balancing security, something got to give, and they're just deciding what should give here. But everybody is doing a little bit. It's just the difference of how much they're doing and to what level proactively playing in this. 
And I guess the, the more digital cybersecurity becomes and the threats, sort of sophistication of the threats, then you actually have to have a completely different model to combat those threats and to really be facing them on digitally. We spoke a little bit about open banking before, and you've just mentioned it again. It's it's obviously the hot topic on everyone's minds and lips globally. A question I thought was really interesting was around open banking, even though it brings great results for consumers. Uh, it's obviously a, a difficult time for banks coming to grips with open banking. With this open environment, will we see an increase in cyber attacks for consumer data? And what do you suggest that banks do about that? opportunities and threats, and it becomes more riskier if certain measures are not taken. Firstly, take for example, within our region, Australia, by July 2019, all banks will have to play together, you know, shifting details for customers from mortgages, financial activities, and all sorts. But it needs drivers behind it, the regulators, providers of security services to try to find what do we need to do. Then the banks being ready to do what they need to do in protecting the data and the trust and the privacy of the data. So overall, inherently, several risks exist in open banking. And if managed quite well, it will change for the betterment. But inherently, I think we have the risks of integration. A lot of APIs are going to be utilized. A lot of software development has to happen. You know, this data is different. Two companies or three companies are different. The way they treat integrity and the quality of their data varies. So what about if the integrity of data changes? What is the play of regulations like the GDPR and the services directive? How will it affect some companies? Will we see some banks getting more penalized for not understanding the fundamentals of how to play with exchanging data across different places and boundaries and borders? So those are the key things. Will we see a lot of mm. account hijack and a lot of data breaches? Those are possibilities that will happen if the fundamentals are not done. But if we harness the opportunity of what the drivers of open banking are, which is to try to create an open sharing environment and to try to make processing and transactions much more quicker, there are opportunities. But the, the detriment to those opportunities if all the banks do not play their part, if all the technology vendors who protect the banking sector from SWIFT and all the others do not play their part, it's just going to be an issue down the lane. It sounds to me like it could be chaos if you think about getting all of those people together. That is certainly a big conversation to be having. We'll, we'll wrap up soon, Francis, but really have appreciated your insight in this area. It's, it's fascinating. You touched on regulation then. Just rounding up then, what direction do you really see cyber regulation going? Do you see it being more of a global conversation? It seems like it needs to be, particularly as you mentioned, cross-border transactions and payments. How, how big a role do you see the global regulators playing a part in this new environment? It's more important than before, especially as banking opens up. If no regulation comes into play, how will we regulate all the new companies that are coming in, the fintech services and all the services coming in? However, the biggest concern here is how will regulation keep with the pace of change? Are we going to just see regulation for the sake of it? You know, people hastily just dropping regulation, which never catches up. So there is a global thought that needs to come up at a higher level of the institutes that control the banking and then pass it to governments and the, the watchdogs, the reserve banks and the central banks and make sure that people are not just doing it for the sake of them. So it's, it's going to change and try to catch up with the pace of change. 
but um, there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of the policy makers. Do you have a lot of faith in the current environment of everyone getting on board with, with everything that needs to be done? How's your confidence levels here? You, there is obviously a long way to go. How close are we? How far away from a stable environment? This is between the, the large, the mid and the smaller entities is how then do we protect our competitive advantage and how then do we avoid just sucking in smaller guys and being consumed by the new entrants. Remember, the new entrants are leaner and faster and they could disrupt the bigger banks. However, what we need to see is that hesitancy where you slow down everyone coming to play, they're watching. But if confidence does not arise from the policymakers and the technology players, you start seeing a dilution where either a few banks Natives group together because they share the common vision and they'll build their own capabilities and form alliances and leave the rest behind. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Francis Catano there. Thank you for coming on the Global Digital Banker podcast. Great to speak with you. Thank you, guys. It was a great time and all the best. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. To view the show notes from this episode, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. To get in touch with us, check out our Instagram, Global Digital Banker, Twitter at GDB Podcast, or on Facebook under Global Digital Banker Podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com. 